In the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel or the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What an amazing promise and what, what a powerful source of hope for him. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that we will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and, gr and the grace of God was upon him. These are two people that understood the power of hope and they, uh, and they saw it revealed in their lives. Turn with me now to Psalm 71, and I want to spend the rest of our time there looking at this Psalm of David, which carries in it the four key elements, I believe, that hope uh, is designed for. The, there is no hope anywhere else except in Christianity. I've studied the religions of the world in my college days, and I, and I discovered something in all the, four, all the religions of the world, every aspect of them. They do not offer a great sense of hope. Christ, God the Father, they offer hope in, in all that it is. Hope is more than a wish. It is a very substantial, powerful means of understanding what it means to live this Christian life and to live life on this planet. Because without hope, what do you have left? What's left? What's the point? What's the purpose of life if I have no hope that there's anything beyond the grave? The atheists give us no sense of hope. How discouraging that would be if I lived my life and just ended up, you know, dust in the bottom of a you know, in the bottom of a grave somewhere. If that's all there is, what's the point of life? But there's, that's not all there is. The Bible tells us clearly that there is, we have a hope of glory. We have a great hope that waits before us. And, and we have, and we, once we get a hold of that, it makes life a little bit easier. Because then we begin to discover that, you know, death is simply the realization of the hope that I've been living for. 
It's an opportunity, it's a doorway that I can walk through and I can enter into an eternity with God and with Christ, with my loved ones, forever. And I never have to be concerned ever again about fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, sickness, death. All these kinds of things begin to disappear when I get a hold of the fact that I have this blessed hope in Christ Jesus. And this is what the world is desperately looking for. Why do people go to the doctor with the hope that the doctor will be able to take care of them? Why do people call the police? They call it with, with hope that they will be able to come and, 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 and settle a situation and rectify a problem. Why do we send the National Guard or the Army into a situation with the hope that they'll be able to stop, this, stop a war or stop the situation, that whatever the problem might be? Why do people come to church? Just to hear me preach, pretty much. No, they come with a sense of, of wanting to, to have hope instilled in their lives. How depressing would that be if you come to church and never leave with any sense of hope? You know, if, if Pastor Darrell or myself would come up, would get up some Sunday morning or, or Saturday night or whatever and get up and say, you know what, I, I studied all week and God just didn't give me anything to say and it's, you know, I was just, I'm so depressed, I have no idea, you know, I don't know if I can do this and, you know what, I, you know, let's just go home, I don't have anything for you, you know, <laughs> you know that, how ridiculous would that be? Well, I'd be fired, obviously, but, um, and then my hope would be gone, but, uh, but you see, the, the message, the reason we come is to find that sense of hope. To get that so instilled in our lives that there is nothing, nothing in the world that can rob us of that hope. Satan cannot take that away from you. You can give it away, but he can't take it away. Okay? It's very important to understand that. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what your checkbook says. It doesn't matter what your job situation says. It doesn't matter what your grades say at school. It doesn't matter what your parents say about you. It doesn't, that, none of those things matter. What does Christ say about you? What does God believe about you? That's the key. That's where the hope is. And when we hold on to that, powerful things happen. And once we get the, that hope instilled in us, we start doing four things. Number one, hope honors God. Hope honors God. David says in Psalm 71, verse number one, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me, deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked from the grasp of evil and cruel men. And then jump over to verse 19. We see it again. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God. You have done the great things. Who, O God, is like you? Though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. The only person that can increase our honor is the person that has honor to start with. Understand that when you hope in what God has for you, when you begin to hope in God, you begin to honor God. Honor involves some important things. Respect. God wants to be respected. God wants to be valued. God wants to be trusted. God wants to be recognized and esteemed. If you begin to do that, 
If I hope in God, I begin to elevate God in my life. I begin to consider his choices in my life. I begin to, to worship him. I come into church and it doesn't matter what they're singing, I worship God anyway. It doesn't matter the message, I begin to honor God and I honor him with my presence. I honor him with my finance. I honor him with my energy. I honor him with my gifts. One of the most powerful things that we can do to honor God is to recognize that everything that I am brings glory to God. My entire being. Some of us have bigger things to give God than others. We, we are able to honor God by acknowledging him, by respecting him, and by, by understanding all that he provides for us. Notice what David says here. He talks about God's deliverance, God's righteousness, God's stability, the rock of my refuge, God's safety, to which I can always go, God's eternal nature, his omnipresence and omnipotence, a fortress, a place again of safety, and he, the deliverer from the wicked. David gets this. David understands the power of honoring God. Because as I honor God, my hope is increased. Because I'm going to get to see God someday. You know, the, la the most horrible thing on earth, that could, or the most horrible thing in life that could ever happen, is get to the gates of heaven, and they go, who are you again? I don't want them to have to search the records. I want, them to, I want to be able to show up and they go, hey, Pastor Fred made it. Uh, hopefully not with a sense of surprise, but I mean a sense of joy. You know, How did he get in here? No, I don't want that. I want to be welcomed in with, with rejoicing. Amen? I don't want, you know, well, let me check the book again. Well, I, you know, I don't know. What was that name again? How do you spell that? No, but to, to be able to come into the presence of God and hear Jesus himself say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. You have honored God in a few things. You're going to get the opportunity to honor him in many. That's what I want to hear. Hope allows us, empowers us to honor God. That's why we come together to, in, the, in our church situation. That's why we come together to celebrate God. You are honoring God today by taking your time, which he actually gave you, by taking time to be here in the presence of God and your fellow brothers and sisters, that is honoring to God. You might say, well, what's the point of going to church? To honor God. That's the point. Well, I don't get anything out of it. You're not supposed to get anything out of it. You're supposed to be honoring God. This, well, I didn't get, you know, I'm just not being fed. I just want to hurt those people. I just, you know, don't say that. It's not about you. The beauty of this is as we honor God, he then comes and dwells with us. What does the Bible say? The Lord inhabits the what? Praises of his people. It doesn't say the Lord inhabits the pain of his people. The pining, the whining, the complaining, the praises. God shows up when we honor him. He likes to be honored. He's worthy of our honor. Secondly, hope empowers us to obey God. We become obedient, which is a very powerful truth. 
Look at verse number 5, Psalm 71. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become like a portent or bad news to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. The key word there is sovereign. Sovereign Lord. We do not obey people that we do not believe and that we do not trust. We don't obey them. We may tolerate them. We may put up with them. We do not obey them. Children, as they're growing up, and if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. There comes a time when these little angels turn into something else. They, they believe us as parents, and they trust us, and so they obey us. And then when they get to be about two, there's a reason it's called the terrible twos. They discover something. I don't have to listen to my mom and dad. I can negotiate. I can, I can bring them to their knees. I can do things to take control of this situation. Now, I don't know if they're mentally doing that. I personally, I think the enemy directs traffic in that area, but... But two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, as they get older, they begin to discover that their parents are not infallible. And so they begin to question. I wish my kids would come to me, oh, sovereign dad. Source of all wisdom and knowledge, tell me what I ought to do in this situation. That has never happened. Has that ever happened to anybody? Pastor Daly probably happens all the time, right? I'm sure the boys are constantly coming to you. Not. Because there is, a, there is an, there's something that, that gets into our spirit that, that begins to question where we begin to disbelieve and distrust authority. That's the enemy. He did it to Adam and Eve, right? What did he do? He came to them and began to undercut their belief in what God told them. Don't do this. You can't trust God. He's hiding things from you. And as a result, they disobeyed. And that cost us all dearly, and it's been costing us ever since. Abraham, instead of believing God and being patient, he believed Sarah. And now we have all that we have in the world. Ishmael and and so on. But you see, the enemy will come to you and try to get you to understand, and try to trick you and make you disbelieve God and believe a lie. When Jesus was tempted of Satan, what was Satan trying to do? Challenge his belief system. Just turn these stones into bread, you'll be fine. Just, you know, just follow. God will take care of you. Just jump off the temple, you'll be fine. It's not a problem. Just fall down and worship me. I'll give, you, I'll give you everything you see. I'll give it all to you. He tried to undercut Jesus' trust and belief in his Father. It didn't work in that situation. 
And we have to get to the place where it doesn't work in our situation anymore either. Where we truly begin to understand the power of believing in a sovereign God. Oh, becoming obedient to God. Just understand that he, God doesn't ask us to do awful things. Believing him. Complying. It takes humility to be obedient. How many of you have discovered that? Humble people are, are very obedient. And that's, you know, and again, I go back to these little kids, those beautiful little things. They're not humble. There's nothing humble about them. You know, they have to be taught how to share. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't come out into the world sharing anything. It's me, 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 you know, help me, help me, help me, gimme, gimme, gimme. And then as we grow older, we revert back to that. The older you get, the more me, 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 gimme, 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 help me, help me, help me. I'm getting closer to that age. I'm, I'm going to see how this works. Right now it's not working at all, so I'm going to give it up. It doesn't work. But to obey God, hope, hope empowers us to obey God. Let God be sovereign. Let him make the decisions in your life. He will pick the best for you. Just, let, just try it. See how it works. The letter P is the proclaiming of God's deeds. Look at verse 14 with me. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long. Though I know not its measure, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts. O sovereign Lord, I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. The deeds of God. How many of you have discovered that it is, it's more invigorating to talk about happy things than it is to talk about negative things? Have you discovered that? It's, it's a, it just, you just feel better listening to, to good, either good preaching or good teaching than, to, than watching the news. The news is discouraging. You know, I watch that stuff sometimes, and I'm, you know, what, where's our hope? What's our hope? Some say, well, you know, I, you know, our hope is in the government. Well, God bless you. You're in trouble big time. You know, our hope is in our politicians. Ouch. If that's the case... I think we need to get a bus and head to Canada or something. The hope is not in these, in these kinds of things. Well, my hope is in the stock market. Yeehaw! My hope is in my job. How many of you have ever gone to work one day and discovered that you didn't have a job? That's always a wonderful feeling. Our hope has to be established in God. And as we, pro as we proclaim God's deeds and... The Bible says that David at times would encourage himself. Sometimes you just got to, you know, if you're in the car and you're sitting in traffic, 
Instead of going, instead of praying this prayer, God, where did all this traffic come from? Who are all these people? Why aren't they working? Get them out of my way. Don't they understand who I am? You know, I'm sure God immediately will say, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize you were stuck. Let me fix this. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, he moves all the cars out of the way, right? Never going to happen. And I've been guilty of that. It's, that's why I don't have a gun. I'm afraid of what might happen. Because I'm really important. And where I'm going is really important. And I don't need anybody in front of me to block my way. I hope I don't get hit by lightning for that. But, but I, have, I have discovered that if I... Even if I turn off the radio, even Christian radio, if I just turn everything off and I just start praying in the Spirit, I become oblivious almost to trap. I mean, I'm, my eyes are still open. I can still see where I'm going. But I become so enwrapped in, in God and the power of God that all that doesn't matter anymore. Because hope empowers me to praise God because of, why, uh, because of what he's done and who he is. Praise God for your talents. Praise God for your hands. Praise God for your feet. Praise God for your legs. Praise God for your head. Praise God for your face. Praise God for your eyes. Praise God for your nose. Praise God for your mouth. Praise God for your ability to taste. Praise God for your ability to smell. Praise God for your ability to see. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Don't ever tell me, Pastor, I have nothing to praise God about. What? What? Really? You have nothing to pray. You have nothing to thank God for. You have nothing to praise God for. That's ridiculous. Hope allows me to see from God's perspective. I love Pastor Dale's illustration this morning. God is not nervous about clouds. Because he realizes that in a matter of moments, he could bring you above those. And all you will see is an expanse. I'm, I'm, if you've never been in a plane, it's a great experience. But to go through those clouds, and then to, to, to ride above them, to see this vast expanse of God's world and God's universe, and the brightness of the sun, because up there, there's nothing clouding that light. It's growing beyond that. It's understanding that praise cuts through the trash. Praise is like a double-edged knife, like a sword, that will cut through any garbage in your life, and it will bring you to a place where you can begin to thank and praise God. And as you praise God, your hope will be restored. Your hope will be empowered. Your hope will increase. And you will find yourself able to face the issues of life at a, a completely different level. And you'll be able to hear the voice of God. Because God, God doesn't yell. I just believe God, if he did, the earth would disappear. If God ever got, like, upset. Can you imagine? He's up in heaven surrounded by the amazing angels. And he just, you know, something just rubs him the wrong way. <laughs> and God screams across the universe, I can't take this anymore! 
We are in trouble. If that ever happens, we are all in trouble. But it'll never happen. I've discovered that God, for whatever reason, I've shared this before, he, he only speaks to me at about 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going, come on, God, just give me another hour. No, this is important. Listen. Okay, fine. Why are we whispering? I don't want to wake up Linda. Thanks. Here's what I want you, here's what I want you to share the next time you preach. I'm not preaching for a while. Couldn't this wait? No. It's fresh in my mind. I want to tell you. Okay, fine. I've got to, I've got to start getting up and writing things down because I've discovered sometimes God will tell me stuff and I'll forget it. So, then he has to wake me up the next morning and tell me again. Write it down. Write it down. But to praise him. You say, well, you don't have trouble sleeping. Just praise God. Read the Bible. Go to Leviticus. You'll go to sleep very quick. I'll give you a chapter and you'll be gone. Just understand that hope is so powerful in what it can do in our lives as we begin to honor God, as we obey God, and as we proclaim his greatness. You will drive the enemy crazy. He will come at you with everything he has. And if your response is simply, just shut up and go back to hell where you belong. Father, I just praise you. I thank you, God. I praise you, Father. I don't understand what's happening in my life, but I praise you because you understand and you have my life in your hands. I'm okay. We can do this. Yeah, don't ever say, God, I got this, I can handle it. Don't ever, ever say that to God because he will listen to you and then you're on your own. Don't do that. Trust him. Let him function in your life. Let him restore your hope. The letter E. This is my favorite one. Enjoy God. Hope allows us to enjoy God. Look at what David says. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. I mean, how many, now be honest with me. How many of you, when you're watching a TV or a movie, and the bad guys get what's coming to them, how many of you enjoy that? again. Let him have it. Or the bully that gets caught. I enjoy that. I'm weird. I enjoy that. Redeemed. The prisoners of war that were set free. Initially they were fearful of coming out of their prisons because they thought it might be a trick. But when they discovered that their redeemers, the allied forces, had come to set them free, it was great joy. Every so often you need to think back to the day you got saved 
and remember that day of redemption. And if you can't enjoy that experience, then get saved again so that you can enjoy that experience. The day I was baptized in the Holy Spirit was just an amazing time. It was an evening service. I was with a bunch of teenagers in a youth service, and the man that was preaching, I still remember him, were actually, I reconnected with him on Facebook, Chuck Mepelink. He was preaching a message on the power of the blood of Christ. And I remember going up to pray for a friend of mine, and I was... I was, just, I was just really lost in the presence of God. I was just enjoying the opportunity of pouring my heart out and, and the passion of the Holy Spirit had come over me and I was praying just intensely for this friend of mine. And the next thing I know, I'm being helped up off the floor two hours later. I had spent two hours praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And I, I remember, you know, walking out of that out of that little, little church building that we, we met in. And I looked up in the sky and I thought it was like I could literally see the face of God. I mean, I, the, cloud, the sky was totally clear. The stars were shining brighter than I'd ever seen. But I understood for a moment what it means to enjoy the presence of God. God loves it when his kids crawl up into his lap and just enjoy being there. They don't have an agenda. They don't come with a list. They just come to enjoy the presence of God. They just relax. There's nothing better as a grandparent to have one of your grandkids come and jump and sit on your lap. This only lasts for like two or three seconds, normally, because they're It's like, come on. But for that moment, when they crawl up in your lap and they, they just sit there for that moment, and they go, I love you, Opa. Well, I love you too. Ashton, Ariana, Trinity, Bella, Xander, whoever it is. But for that moment, we enjoy that connection. That's what I'm talking about. We are here as a church to help you connect with God, connect with others, connect with your ministry. Connecting with God is not getting you to sit in a pew for a couple hours a week and opening up your wallet. It's to get you to that place where you can enjoy the presence of God. Where you can just relax and rest. I think it's why Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, go into a closet, go into a private place, go someplace where there are no distractions, and then it's just you crawling up into the lap of God and letting him hold you and just rest and enjoy that amazing sense of comfort, of strength, where there's no fear. You know, it's, it's an awesome feeling to be embraced by the arms of God and to sense that presence. 
and to just enjoy. And out of that experience, it's out of the enjoying God that creativity begins to flow. You've got a problem you can't solve? Crawl into God's lap and just sit there. He'll whisper the answer into your ear. Just try it. Just try it. What have you got to lose? Other than stress and worry, frustration, and all that. Enjoy. Enjoy the presence of God. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I don't do it near enough. Enjoying the presence of God. Hope will allow you the opportunity to do that. It'll make it happen for you. Hope honors God, it obeys God, it proclaims God's deeds, and it enjoys the relationship with God. One of my favorite stories I want to share with you quickly before we go. It's called My Last Tract. You may have heard this before, but it bears repeating here because this little boy understood the power of hope. All four aspects. Every Sunday afternoon after the morning service at their church, the pastor and his 11-year-old son would go out into their town and hand out gospel tracts. This particular Sunday afternoon, as it came time for the pastor and his son to go to the streets with their tracts, it was cold outside as well as pouring down rain. It's a lovely day, kind of like today. The boy bundled up in his warmest and driest clothes said, Okay, Dad, I'm ready. Pastor Dad, ready for what? Dad, it's time we gather our tracks together and go, out, go outside. Dad responds, Son, it's really cold outside and it's pouring down rain. The boy gives his dad a surprised look, asking, But Dad, aren't people still going to hell even though it's raining? Ouch, ouch, ouch. Dad answers, Son, I'm not going out in this weather. Despondently, the boy asks, Dad, can I go, please? His father hesitated for a moment and then said, Son, you can go. Here's the tracks. Be careful. Thanks, Dad. And with that, he was off and out into the rain. The 11-year-old boy walked the streets of the town going door to door, handing everybody he met in the street a gospel tract. After two hours of walking in the rain, he was soaking, bone-chilled, wet, and down to his last track. He stopped on a corner to look for someone to hand a tract to, but the streets were deserted. Then he turned toward the first home he saw and started up the sidewalk to the front door and rang the doorbell. He rang the bell, but nobody answered. He rang it again and again, but still no one answered. He waited, still no answer. Finally, this 11-year-old boy trooper turned to leave, but something stopped him. Again, he turned to the door and rang the bell. Knocked loudly on the door with his fist, he waited some, something holding him there on the front porch. It's called the Holy Spirit. He rang again, and this time the door slowly opened. Standing in the doorway was a very sad-looking elderly lady. She softly asked, what can I do for you, son? With radiant eyes and a smile that lit up her world, this little boy said, ma'am, I am sorry if I disturbed you. But I just want to tell you that Jesus really does love you. And I came to give you my very last gospel tract, which will tell you all about Jesus and his great love. With that, he handed her his last tract and turned to leave. She called to him as he departed, Thank you, son, and God bless you. The following Sunday morning in church, the father was in the pulpit, and as the service began, he asked, Does anyone have a testimony or want to say anything? Slowly in the back row of the church, an elderly lady stood to her feet and she began to speak. A look of glorious radiance came from her face as she said, None of you in this church know me. I've never been here before. You see, before last Sunday, I was not a Christian. 
My husband has passed on some time ago, leaving me totally alone in this world. Last Sunday, being a particularly cold and rainy day, it was even more so in my heart. As I came to the end of the line where I no longer had any hope or will to live. So I took a rope and a chair and ascended the stairway into the attic of my home. I fastened the rope securely to a rafter in the roof and then stood on the chair, fastened the other end of the rope around my neck, and standing on that chair so lonely and brokenhearted, I was about to leap off when suddenly the loud ringing of my doorbell downstairs startled me. I thought, I'll wait a minute. Whoever it is will go away. I waited and waited, but the ringing doorbell seemed to get louder and more insistent, and then the person ringing also started knocking loudly. I thought to myself again, who on earth could this be? Nobody ever rings my bell or comes to see me. I loosened the rope from my neck and started for the front door. All the while, the bell rang louder and louder. When I opened the door and looked, I could hardly believe my eyes, for there on my front porch was the most radiant, angelic little boy I'd ever seen in my life. His smile, oh, I could never describe it to you. And the words that came from his mouth caused my heart that had long been dead to leap to life as he exclaimed with cherub-like voice, Ma'am, I just came to tell you that Jesus really does love you. Then he gave me this gospel tract that I now hold in my hand. As the little angel disappeared back out into the cold and rain, I closed my door, read slowly every word of this gospel tract. Then I went up to my attic to get my rope and chair. I wouldn't be needing them anymore. You see, I, now, I am now a happy child of the King. And since the address of your church was on the back of this gospel tract, I've come here to personally say thank you to God's little angel who came just in the nick of time and by so doing spared my soul from an eternity in hell. This little boy realized what it meant to honor God. He realized what it meant to obey God. He understood the power of proclaiming the truth about God, and he knew what it meant to enjoy God. A simple little piece of paper transformed a woman's life because a little 11-year-old boy was a distributor of hope. He was a hope distributor. And that's what Christ is asking us to become, hope distributors. Just give it away. The more you give it away, the more it grows. It's amazing. The more hope you share, the more hope you receive. It's how God works. I want to close our time together this morning with an old hymn that I learned when I was a young boy, and it just, it talks about hope. And uh, if you know it, feel free to sing along with me. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Stand with me as we sing the rest of it. 
When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The best verse of all. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for reminding us of the power of hope. There truly is life after Christmas, and we thank you for the truth of your word today. Father, give us the, just the steadfastness of a Simeon and an Anna that had the hope to see the Messiah. Give us the tenacity of a King David that understood the power of hope. As we honor you, O God, as we obey you, God, as we proclaim your mighty deeds, God, and as we enjoy you and your presence, help us to go and share that with the world. Help us to be distributors of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. What a good word. Mm. What a good, good word this morning. And we'll do our best to get that online as quickly as possible so that you can go back and review that or maybe share it with a friend uh, this week because uh, that is the hope uh, that we have. And as Pastor Fred said, uh, time with the Lord, that'll change everything. And so this Thursday night, we're going to gather together on New Year's Eve at 5 p.m. We're going to end one year, begin a new year with the Lord. We're going to worship, pray together, have the word together, and communion together. That's this Thursday night, and you won't want to miss what God's doing in the new year. So come back next weekend and bring a friend. Also, there's devotionals in the lobby. You're going to want to walk with God every day. Those are out there. Uh, take your bulletin, take your calendar, and just say, I'm going with the Lord. I'm going all in with the Lord. At the end of a new year, beginning of, beginning of a new year, end of a, an old year. But let's receive the blessing of the Lord as we go and go out with that hope. Beloved, we are one week closer to heaven. You ready? May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing. God, I thank you for that hope that we have. May we walk in that hope, Lord, this week. Keep us safe and strong. 
Lord, as we end one year and begin a new one, keep us safe and strong, Lord, until we can gather together again as a church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need special prayer, Pastor Prayer and I will be down front.